Hey everybody, welcome to episode 5 of Fear Frequency. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne, and with me today is my co-host, George Frizzard. Hey guys, what's up? Dude, it's the Halloween episode. This episode's out on Halloween. It's the big day, the biggest day of the year, best day of the year, biggest Can and brightest. Can you even believe it? I can't. It, October came and went so quickly. Sad. No, I really did, dude. <laughs> I, honestly, I'm not that upset about it, though, because I got I had that sick weekend right at the beginning episode one of fear frequency yeah that was definitely a good uh mood setter for the rest of the month i got my halloween like i did everything i wanted to do that weekend and it's just been so fucking busy every day of my life since i got back (laughs) that like i needed that vacation so bad yeah that was definitely a a good way to set the tone for what was to come since this was such a jam-packed season for all hallows eve i don't know if this year it was like more news came out or if we were just paying attention more because of this but it felt like just a lot of stuff was happening yeah i think it was just a big year regardless just in general yeah and so i saw people saying that they were having a meh halloween season and i was like how it's been (laughs) a really good one like everything everything going on has been great uh, I went to Disneyland yesterday, and California Adventure has the... I think it's the first time they've done Halloween in a while, and it's awesome. I, I had a great Halloween season. Yeah. Uh, what rides did they change up for the Halloween season at Disneyland? <laughs> so they have this awesome... Like, right when you walk in the giant California Adventure gate, it has Boogie from A Nightmare Before Christmas. They built a giant facade facade or whatever, mm-hmm. and the... The O in California is a jack-o'-lantern, which is awesome. That's So right cool. away, that's cool. You walk in, all the trees are decorated with purple string lights, which was great. Uh, there's a spooky music and screaming playing through every speaker in that park, <laughs> which was really cool. The fountain got replaced with the Headless Horseman horse, and you can get your picture taken with it. And there's a like 24-7 stream of like hot steam coming out of the pumpkin and the horse's mouth. So you're like guaranteed to get a cool picture. And then... Uh, None of the rides really change that much except for Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like, <coughs> so the plot of Guardians of the Galaxy is like the collector uh, captured them and you're going on a tour to see them in their exhibit, but then you're all, you're really helping them break out. Uh-huh. It's called like Mission Breakout or whatever. And then you the elevator, because it's Tower of Terror, it goes up and down randomly and every floor has a different thing on it. And it's different every time you ride it, which is cool. But then for Halloween, they change it to like monsters after dark and it's after the guardians of the galaxy broke out they forgot baby groot so then rocket comes back in to get him and you have to like scream when the doors open so that the monsters will come to you and not eat groot <laughs> and it's it's so good it, it plays metal instead of like the other songs that they play usually and uh, it's all like they changed everything like all the videos that play on the screens when the door opens and like all the silhouette shadow stuff and it's all red lighting and everything's like glitched out and they recorded special videos for it that was awesome. For the videos, did they use the real actors or? Yeah, they... yeah, they're all in it. Huh. They got the collector, and they they have like display cases because it's like the collector's place or whatever, and they change what's in them. So there's a bunch of Thor Ragnarok stuff in there now, and there's like paintings of the guy Jeff Goldblum plays with uh, Benicio del Toro's character, <laughs> like actually... playing cards and shit. It's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, and then the the usual stuff was going on at regular Disneyland. That's all cool, but I just thought it was really sweet what they did at California Adventure. Nice. Sounds like a good weekend. Yeah, but the one thing that is like not even Halloween themed, but is the darkest shit I've ever <laughs> seen at Disney, there's a World of Color like water light show in, in uh, California Adventure, which is really cool. Uh, it's like all the good movies, like Aladdin and uh, you know like Little Mermaid and Up and shit. It's awesome. And but there's a Lion King part, and the only part they play 
is Mufasa dying, and it's like a big, like, big, uh, like sheet of water that they project onto. So you see Mufasa die, and then uh, Simba's like, "Dad," and then that's it. Like that, it, it goes dark, and then it moves on. <laughs> that's horrifically like, dark for a children's ride. Like, no recognizable songs from The Lion King whatsoever. That's it. It was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So, that was pretty cool. But uh, the big thing I did this week, though, was I went out to San Jose on Tuesday to tour the Winchester house for the new movie, uh, Winchester, the house, is the house that ghosts built, which comes out in February. <laughs> I did that for Bloody Disgusting. Uh, yeah. That was always a house that seemed pretty interesting to me, just due to the actual history of it. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. The house is like a mean character. Where uh, the Winchester family, what was it, the guy died, and then his wife started building the house, and she had a bunch of mediums come over, and they said that if construction ever stopped, then the ghost would come get her, so she just built, like, hallways to nowhere and staircases. and. That's, like, close. So, like, he died, and then she went to a medium, because I guess that's what people did back then, and then the medium was like, yo... Leave Boston. I'm, I'm talking as your husband. Go build a house where every spirit of a person who's killed by a Winchester rifle will come <laughs> and live. So she would go up into this like tower called the Witch's Cap, which is shaped like a witch's head, obviously. And the ghost would talk to her and tell her what room to add. So it has no building plan because she would build it on the fly. And it used to be seven stories, but then the 1906 earthquake knocked it down to five, I think. And she built it all like winding and meandering because she wanted to keep the ghosts away from her, I guess, because they just bugged her. Like, they weren't mean. She just, like, didn't like them. <laughs> but there's tons of weird shit in this house, dude. Like, the stairs are all one inch tall or two inches tall. So you, you'll go up, like, 40 stairs, but you'll really only go up, like, 10 feet because she had arthritis. So, like, she couldn't lift her legs. <laughs> and there's, like, there's a door on the third floor that just, like, opens up and you're outside. So it's, like, if you go out of it, you fall three stories. And uh, there's a, another staircase that goes straight into a ceiling. So that place, it's crazy. I mean, like, I'm writing about it on Bloody, so you can go read that on Halloween, I think. But it, the movie is literally writing itself with this house. Right. With something that is such a rich history of, like, creepy plot, you could just pretty much make a historical documentary and it'd be fine yeah and i think a lot of people are pretty interested in it based on like how well the trailer's doing so it's like the spearig brothers who directed jigsaw and predestination and i think daywalkers is what it's called they're directing it and they, they were really cool they were really happy to talk about everything related to the house and so i hope this is like their big movie that blows them up yeah um i hope so too because i'm actually interested in seeing it because i think that the history is pretty interesting and it could, you know, it's just a great topic to build a movie off of. Yeah, production is quick, dude. I think they started it like six months ago. They just put out a trailer and they moved the release date back from February 18th to February 2nd. So, like, they seem pretty confident in it. It's a Lionsgate and, I guess, CBS film. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, you can you can see that February 2nd. I'm sure we'll be able to check it out early and let you know what we think, but keep your eye on that one. The trailer's out now. Um... So, I don't think we have any housekeeping. We didn't get any new reviews, but we did get some YouTube comments from people. Someone said that this is their second favorite podcast. Nice. That's high praise. Second yeah. favorite. I you was know like, what they what's say? the first? They never answered. You know what they say? First is the worst, second's the best. Yeah, I, I've always said that, except <laughs> for when I'm in first place, and then I'm like, no, I never said that. 
<laughs> so that was cool. Um, uh, thanks a lot, guys, for reviewing the show, though. If you're a listener and you haven't yet, it really helps us out. But the big thing was we wanted to make it so if people search the show on iTunes, they would see, like, a star rating. So it doesn't just say not enough ratings yet. We're at five stars but if you could go review it and just let us know what you think of the show, it really helps out with getting us into the new and noteworthy section. But I guess that's all I have for housekeeping, so let's just get right into the news. This is segment one time. Um, this first one's all you, because you're the Hannibal dude. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there was a scene from the Hannibal TV show that was cut. It sounds like for kind of budgetary restraints, and it was, I believe, in the first season or the second season, where they were going to do a... uh, (laughs) They're going to attach one of the doctor's intestines to a ceiling fan and then have those be spinning around the room as soon as the door opened when the detective showed up. But it was (laughs) cut due to logistical reasons and sounds like budgetary constraints. But that sounds like a pretty insane kill that if Brian Fuller was able to put it on TV would have been a real sight to behold. Yeah, I saw a bunch of headlines being like the one so the one kill in Hannibal that was just so gruesome it wouldn't be allowed in the show. And it's like you read you read what actually happened and it's just like everyone Brian Fuller talked to is like, how the hell are you going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I don't think I can. And then they moved on. But that would be really cool to see. I mean, the actual kill that's in the show they replaced it with is, like, also very gruesome. It's like, I, I don't think it's really, like, a like a watered-down version of a kill in any way. It's like... It's, yeah, this one isn't any worse than anything else in that show. Right. Like, it's, it's not, like, this weird out-of-place kill that's, like, you can tell that they replaced it with something that was a worse version. It's, like, just as gruesome as everything else, but... It sounds like they had something worse in mind that would have probably been a pretty pretty cool kill scene if it would have come to fruition. Yeah, because there's very, very little CG in that show. It's like a lot of cool practical stuff. So that would have been sweet to see. Cool. So next up on the list is disappointing news. This is bullshit, man. Bill Skarsgård, I, I remember the first episode, or was it the first episode we talked about him? We've talked about him a lot where we were like, there's no way in Castle Rock he's not playing... Pennywise, or like you know, at least uh, his what's his human counterpart guy's name? What's his real name? Uh, Bob Gray. Bob Gray. But it turns out he's just a Shawshank prisoner in Castle Rock, which is a big bummer. It, that's still kind of weird to me. I I'm not sure if they're gonna completely ignore or like say that he isn't Pennywise in any way, shape, or form. I think that it would be possible to try to spin it in some way where. He's incarcerated, and then... I, I don't know. I, I just think it's weird that they would put him in the show at all if they're not going to somehow incorporate his Pennywise character. I think they're going to try to tie it in somehow. Yeah, well, he said he was talking to Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't know they did articles, but he, he was saying, the only thing I want to stress is that Castle Rock is a completely separate thing than Pennywise and It. He says, the world is brand new. It's Stephen King's universe. There are places we've been familiarized with through his work, but the show is an original story in that world. The character's a lot of fun. It's a really weird one. He's also so different from Pennywise. I'm using a completely different tool set here for this one. So that doesn't really rule it out completely. It could be Bob Gray, you know, because it's different. But it's disappointing if it is the case. Yeah, I mean, he could be possibly someone being, like, influenced by Pennywise's powers, his dark 
control over people that he has. So maybe there'll be some interaction between the two. Why would at you least. even cast him though? Like, <laughs> yeah, gonna... that seems really weird that they wouldn't use him at least in some way as a vessel for Pennywise if they're gonna do a Stephen King show after one of the most successful adaptations of his books ever made. It's it's just it's asking for people to be disappointed, you know, like it's just setting disappointment up, and that then that's gonna fall on to Bill Skarsgård no matter what. And it's not even going to be his fault. It's because of poor casting. If it's not the case that he's Pennywise, that you know, it's just like, why? <laughs> yeah, it it makes him look bad, and it kind of makes everyone who watches a, a bit let down right from the get, which isn't a great way to start out the show. That I think is actually going to be pretty good. Yeah, I do too. So, uh, hopefully, it's kind of just a. A way to throw people off the scent and make people think that he's not going to be involved with the Pennywise character in any way. Yeah. But I I think it, it, it it's hard for me to believe that they would completely separate the two. Yeah, I don't think they will. <laughs> They'd be really dumb if they did, but dumber <laughs> things have happened. So yeah, next on true. the list, we have that Starbucks, uh, they have a unicorn frappuccino, which I think is pretty cool. It looks a lot like that um, unicorn one that back when I was at my old job we were working on the Kimmy Schmidt TV show and we totally jumped on that and made a graphic for that, the unicorn one. (laughs) But this is a new drink. Yeah, the zombie frappuccino is like a brown drink with a pink, like, frosting on top to make it look like brains. That that whipped cream looks so good to me, but I I don't know. I don't know if I'd like the flavor. It's green caramel apple powder and pink powder of undisclosed undisclosed flavor with another splash of color. So, like, I've heard from people online that it tastes like a rotten caramel apple, which sounds (laughs) disgusting. Would you use rotten to describe any kind of flavor in a drink or any food item that you're consuming? That's not a good <laughs> vote of confidence. I saw a person. couple people use that and then be like, I love it. It's like, do you though? Like, are your taste buds functioning? Or are you just like, do you like the consistency? Like, could you be a little more specific there? Yeah, I don't get how rotten is a good way to describe the drink in any way. <laughs> but it looks cool, right? Like, I think it looks I mean, cool. It looks cool, and I think a lot of people are going to get one to at least take a picture with it for their Instagram or Facebook or whatever social media they want to be on. I mean, I'm curious as to what it tastes like. I don't know. I think if I went into Starbucks and there was like a big line, I wouldn't wait for it, but <laughs> I'm interested to see how a rotten caramel apple drink tastes good. It's 430 calories. That's insane. Yikes. Holy that's shit. a lot. So you can get it beginning October 26th, which was last Thursday. And I guess you, I, I assume you can get it all the way leading up to Halloween. So if you're listening to the show on Halloween, you can go get one today. And if you're listening late, that's your fault. You're wrong. Sorry, you miss out on the rotten caramel apple drink. I know your heart's <laughs> devastated and you're, you're just distraught over this. I wish there was like an alcoholic drink that you can make look like this, you know, but not, but taste like just a not rotten caramel apple. Like if you could make like a shot or something. Well, little... we've done those before. Remember the zombie shots? Yeah, I, I guess the only difference is I want that, like, cool whipped cream. Yeah, I guess you could, like, color whipped cream with food coloring Yeah. put it on top. Dude, those zombie, that jo- zombie drink we made was really good. That was two years yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Almost to the day. Shit, that was a long time yeah. ago. But that was really good. It was, like, what was it, like, rum and vodka and... Triple Kool-Aid. sec. Oh, triple sec. 
<laughs> yeah. It was Kool-Aid. just alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you want to make a zombie, it's just all that shit. I think... It's just uh, take everything in your liquor cabinet pour it together. I'm pretty sure friend of the show, Lucy Jane Pullinger, who I am pretty sure owns Loading Bar in, I think, London, England. She's the one who told me about it. So, if you're listening... Let us know if you told us about this drink, and then <laughs> let us know how to make it. Because I know for a fact we just said it completely wrong. Except for the triple no. sec. I know that was in there. Yeah, triple sec was in there, but we definitely had a, like a real recipe the first time we made it. Yeah, and it was really good. Yeah. So, um, moral of the story, you can go get a zombie frappuccino today only. Uh, I have not had one, so I cannot speak to its quality, but I'm sure it's bad. So, <laughs> back in the news again. Friday the 13th, the game. Just can't can't keep it away. Um, they updated the game, and I guess so in some of the maps you can find these tapes where it's uh, Jason's mom, Pamela, and she's talking about the murder of the teens. It's, it's really dumb. But they have new ones that are voiced by Toby Jarvis and they're written by Adam Green who if you don't know directed Hatchet and Frozen and he has a giant fan base for his movies uh, I'm not really a fan of 90% of them but if you're in, if you if you like the game yeah I mean it, the more lore for fans the better I always think as long as it's done well and it seems like this guy knows what he's doing and the tapes are pretty well made I mean, everything seems like... Everything they've done in this game has been very close to the movies and made yeah. in a very good fan service way where people who enjoy that series of movies have liked all the nods to the previous films, so I don't see why they would deviate from that to make these tapes. So I'm sure if you're looking for the extra lore they put in the game, it's all very well-researched and, you know, all comes out being beneficial for the player and interesting if you're into the whole lore of the Friday the 13th mythos. So a very similar game, uh, Dead by Daylight, has added Freddy into that to be a new playable monster for the game. So we both played a little bit of this. Oh my god, I just saw for the first time that it's the remake Freddy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Okay. Kind of strange that you wouldn't use the classic Freddy, but they even used the title treatment from the remake. Yeah, yeah, they did. They really did. (laughs) Like, what? What's the reasoning behind that? I don't know. I really don't know, because even if let's say the issue was you went to the the film, the film company. I think New Line Cinema owns Freddy. Let's say you went there and you said, hey, we want to use this character in our game. If that would be mind-blowing to me if they were like, you have to use the one from the most recent movie since it's so universally hated and critiqued that why would you want that rendition of your character to be shown in its most recent state in a video game? Yeah, and you know what's bizarre? It's like Dead by Daylight is a very, 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 very similar game to Friday the 13th, but it came out first due to the fact that all of its killers were original and they didn't have to work with licensing and all that, they've added in, since it came out, Michael Myers and Leatherface. So now yeah. they have they have this bizarre rendition of Freddy to add to the mix. But I guess the difference is their game works. Yeah, I mean, that's more a uh, function of if you like that 
style of gameplay, then you play that version because it's completely functional. I mean, the I don't think the environments are as cool. No, they have good atmosphere, like the fog and everything is really cool. Yeah. But they're not as, they're just whatever. But like the Camp Crystal Lake maps are way better than the maps in they're, Dead by Daylight. Yeah, it's like a different league. And then the one thing that always bothered me in Dead by Daylight is the way the characters dressed, like all the costumes are terrible. Like it's, the color palettes are just off in that game. It's just some weird shit going on. Yeah, that that's definitely a game that kind of focused their efforts on the opposite that the Friday the 13th game did, where they're more substance and less polish and not. And then I think the Friday the 13th game is kind of the other way around, where they just want everything to look good before it's functional. Yeah, and then I guess the cool thing about um, Dead by Daylight is that they charge for their DLC, but it's usually like six bucks at a time. Like, it's pretty cheap. It's really easy to get everything all together. And this game is out on PS4 now, in addition to PC and Xbox One. So uh, if, if you really like Friday the 13th, but you want a game that runs a lot better, I'd say pick this one up. Yeah, uh, I know you and I played the Michael Myers uh, DLC pack, and we, we had some fun with that. Uh, I think it's a cool game, and if you're interested in trying out the bad rendition of freddy as a character in this game then go for it yeah it's weird that um when they put freddy into mortal kombat 9 they used the new freddy look but then they robert england voiced him yeah i i don't know i don't know what the what the logic is behind using the bad looking melted cheese face freddy for this game instead of just giving him a robert england type look i i <laughs> I, I don't know what the logic is behind that but that's what they went with, and at least the characters in the game, I guess. So, uh, more news, which I don't want to say surprising, because it's not, but Rob Zombie is bringing back The Devil's Rejects. He's going to make a sequel to that. So he's had a weird career, because that movie is really well regarded, and even A House of a Thousand Corpses is. Uh, but the big thing that's you know in the air here is that that the like firefly clan or whatever they get shot to death at the end of the devil's rejects yeah i don't know how they're gonna pick that story up after kind of a conclusive end like that i mean they're not supernatural in any way they're not like a bunch of slashers you can't bring them back halloween 4 style where you just say oh they didn't actually die because they're an unkillable beast well they are they're killable i mean they're people it's it just seems weird that they would try to bring these people back i don't know if that's what the plot's gonna be but i don't know how anything in that series works if you just slap a devil's rejects name on it and don't use the same characters i i just don't get it i don't know i mean i i think it could be cool i watched the lords of salem recently people have been telling me for years that that movie's bad but i thought it was really fucking cool and i like rob zombie i actually like some of his music it's one of those he's one of those artists where like i was listening to him as like a joke and then i realized that i actually liked him so like his halloween movies suck and i heard 31 sucks but like i don't know i if he does this right or just goes full force into it like yep the devil kicked him out of hell they're back like i don't know i think it could actually be cool i just don't think we need the movie yeah i i guess the issue is with 31 coming out if that wasn't received super well he probably doesn't want to do another original project that doesn't get received well and he's probably just trying to go back to the last thing he did that was actually pretty successful yeah he probably can't get money from anyone except Lionsgate who's desperately trying to bring back 
properties. Yeah. <laughs> like Saw. Yeah. And now this. And maybe maybe it'll be a prequel. Who knows? Yeah, that could work. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of history between the family and the local police force. You can see that in the beginning of Devil's Rejects. And maybe they'll do something where they kidnap someone and brought them back to their house, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. And it's a prequel in some way. I, I could see that working. I I'm probably going to see it if they make another one. Trick or Treat 2 is real. It's the next movie that uh, Michael Dautry wants to do, which is awesome. He's working on that Godzilla sequel now, but that's just wrapped. So he said that the next movie he wants to do is Trick or Treat 2. Yeah, that's really cool since Trick or Treat 1 is an all-time Halloween favorite of mine. And Krampus is an all-time Christmas favorite of mine. So I think going back to the same well, doing another horror anthology movie based around Halloween, I think that that is just a great idea. You can keep going back to that well and not really have it dry up. So I'm like completely down for another trick-or-treat. Yeah, that's, that's a definite must-watch every year if you haven't seen it. Get on that. So, uh, Angry Video Game Nerd came out with a special Halloween edition of uh, his videos, and it's about a game called uh, Polybus that is kind of an urban legend. We're not really sure if it's real or not. It was like an arcade game that came out around the uh, Portland, Oregon area that apparently gave some people who played it seizures and it's possibly a game designed by the government to induct people into mk ultra and there's all these crazy theories about it and no one really knows if it was a real game or if they do know it was real no one can provide any proof and it's it's an interesting documentary on the movie on the game really yeah and so uh i just talked about this on papa drew bear's podcast private chat but like the whole reason i even review movies is because of james rolf the angry video game nerd so this is really cool, but Nolan Mackey, who's a fan of the show, he his Twitter is Mothman Media. He sent this to me and asked if we would talk about it, which I think is pretty cool. And he said a bunch of nice words about the show and said he loves the show. So I told him we'd give him a shout-out at this part. Yeah, uh, thanks for the, the tip, Nolan. And I thought this is actually really cool. And I think anybody who's interested in video games or urban legends should definitely check it out if you're not already familiar with the Angry Video Games work. You know? Yeah, totally. And it's it's his like film quality has just jumped up ever since the movie. Like it's been a little bit longer between episodes, but the like look of them has gotten better drastically. Yeah, this one is shot really cool. It's sort of the he sort of has like overlays of different news stories over like a arcade background and a couple of cool camera tricks. It just it's cool and it's very well made. It's well-researched, and if you're interested in this polybus game at all, I you should definitely check it out. Yeah, totally. And then um, last thing on here is that there was a Resident Evil show for a little bit, a couple years back, I think 2014, that was going to be called Arclay, and it takes place in Arclay Manor, obviously. It was going to be like a police procedural show, but set in Raccoon City, which actually sounds kind of cool, but that kind of went away. But the guy who made it just released a theme like a little short film that was i guess a pilot for it and it's called dave and it's pretty cool it reminds me a lot of resident evil 7 uh like the the tapes that you get throughout the game uh did you we neither of us have gotten a chance to check it out but we both skimmed through it and just type into google uh resident evil show short film and you'll find it yeah i think that this is a cool really cool concept i think that 
maybe now that there's way more interest in the Resident Evil franchise as a whole, with 7 coming out being so good, um, Evil Within 2 coming out, and people basically saying that's just another Resident Evil game, and people kind of eating those two games up and just kind of being so excited for them, maybe this will have a a chance to get a second wind and maybe make more than just a short film about it. But from what I've checked out of this, it's the production values are big. Everything looks great. Uh, I, I think that it could be cool if they did more in this universe, more films that aren't the Resident Evil films since those suck so bad. Yeah. But They're rebooting those with James Wan. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so th- whatever we get might be cool if they take from Resident Evil 7. Yeah, I, I think if you went that route, if you did like a found footage type movie where you go into this house and try to find the ghost hunters, and then you see all the crazy shit that happens in 7, I think that could be pretty horrifying if you put that to screen. And then the last thing in our news news roll here is uh, <laughs> 20th Century Fox tweeted out this tweet. And it's not even news. We just both thought it was pretty funny and dark. It's uh, It says, heading into the weekend, like, and it has a picture of uh, the lady at the beginning of The Omen when she's about to jump off the roof with the noose around her neck. <laughs> And we just both thought it was surprisingly on point for 20th Century Fox. Like, we laughed pretty hard. The only thing about it that doesn't jive with me is, why would you kill yourself right before the weekend? Don't you want to enjoy the weekend? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm killing myself on Monday, man. Like, right. Jesus Christ. Like, it should be like jumping into the work week, like, and then have that picture. Yeah, so, we both appreciate the effort, but... <laughs> maybe take it back to the drawing for <laughs> another round the punchline is good but it needs a better uh you know build up to the joke <laughs> yeah so you can uh you can go check that out just go to 20th century fox's twitter they don't tweet that much it's you'll you'll see it don't worry <laughs> and then uh before we wrap up and move on to segment two i just came up with this cool thing this week that i want to start doing called creature feature i was actually going to do a podcast called creature feature before we even started this where i find cool people in the horror community and talk to them about their career and we'll definitely turn that into a segment on the show but for now we figured we'd just start highlighting cool people in the horror community so the first person i think we want to you know highlight here is aaron crawford from rev I'm not Scooby-Doo. <laughs> the first person the first person we want to highlight here is Aaron Crawford from Cavity Colors. And if you don't know, Cavity Colors is like a they're a horror t-shirt, pin, candle, horror apparel brand that does a lot of original artwork and it's all pretty cool. Yeah, I'm definitely a big fan of the artwork and the different graphic shirts that uh, he makes. I think anyone who's likes any kind of horror movie you should definitely check it out probably buy a couple of shirts from there you if you look on the site you'll probably find at least two or three things you like yeah he does a lot of sales like that are really good he doesn't charge a lot for shipping either the candles are all really cool and if you follow him on twitter or instagram he does a really good job at letting you know he's a real tried and true horror fan like this dude knows his stuff and he's a great guy all around so you can find him on Twitter and Instagram and I guess their website. It's all at Cavity Colors and you can go to CavityColors.com. It's just a really cool brand and we'll be back next week with another one. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come right back and move on to segment two where we'll be talking about Brawl and Cell Block 99 and Jungle.
Okay, so we're back from our quick break, and now we're going to talk about two movies this week. We kind of pared it down. The first one is Brawl in Cell Block 99, and it stars Vince Vaughn, which is awesome. And it's directed by S. Craig Zoller, and he's the guy who directed uh, Bone Tomahawk, which is a western that goes full horror right in its last 15, 20 minutes. And I'd say that this one follows the same kind of thread there. And I think we both really liked it a lot. Yeah, I absolutely loved this movie. I thought so that... So do you want to introduce like what it is and everything? Yeah, so essentially the setup is Vince Vaughn is just kind of this big guy. He's kind of down on his luck. He gets laid off from his job. And he comes home, finds out that his... Uh, wife is cheating on him, completely destroys her car, p- punches through the window, punches the headlights out, rips the hood off the car. <laughs> I mean, completely decimates this thing. Just to, That's really just an uh, establishing shot to show you this guy is insanely strong, almost super strength level. Yeah, he's fucking tough. <laughs> and uh, so he realizes that, you know, there's some difficulties with him and his wife's relationship they recently had a miscarriage and they kind of drifted apart because of that. And he realized he has no money, so he goes into business with his friend Gil, who is a drug dealer, and becomes his top drug runner and becomes very successful and makes a lot of money, buys a nice house. And he kind of gets into a wrong place, wrong time situation, and he ends up going to jail. That's a great setup. So. This, this is a lot like Bone Tomahawk, where it's one kind of movie, and then it turns into a horror movie. And it's this one is long. It's a, it's a slow-ass burn, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think it's a little over, like, two, two, a little over two it's hours. Like two hours and 12 minutes. Yeah, something like that. And it is kind of, it does definitely start off slow, mm-hmm. but once Vince Vaughn gets his motivation to start whooping ass in prison... It goes crazy from there. I mean, every fight scene is choreographed crazy. They don't pull away at all. They don't add any weird punching sound effects. It just sounds like Vince Vaughn is beating the shit out of everyone. Yeah, the only sound effects they add are him squeezing people so hard every bone in their back breaks. And it's awful. It's just, like, so gross. You know what? He's a lot like Michael Myers where, like, he takes punches and then he just, like, looks at the person and then just slams them. The hardest you've ever seen someone get punched. Yeah, and uh, this movie is not afraid to show gore at all. Oh, and it's all so good. It's all practical. It looks great. Yeah, there's a few... I mean, there's, like, bones snapping out of the skin... I don't want to spoil some of the later ones because they're insane once you see them. But, I mean, there's a lot of gore in this movie, and it just really cements Vince Vaughn as this unstoppable force. You believe that he's so strong that no one can stop him. Even if there's a guy that looks twice his strength, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and and it's a great movie because he totally... You, you don't see Vince Vaughn acting in this movie. You see this character that he's playing, Bradley Thomas. He's, like, emotionless, but he's full of emotion at the same time. Like, you know what he's feeling at every moment in this movie. And he's unpredictable, though, and it's really cool. At all the fights. It's not like The Foreigner, where there, it's a political drama with two fight scenes. It's its own thing, but once the fighting starts, it doesn't stop until the very end. Yeah, and you definitely you understand what he's fighting for, and you root for him the whole time. 
Uh-huh, totally. And it was nice to see uh, Jennifer Carpenter come back. Yeah. She's been out of the limelight since uh, Dexter yeah, ended. Yeah, since Dexter ended. It, it is kind of weird to see her. I really haven't seen her in a while. I didn't... I mean, she's in the movie pretty... She's a kind of minor role. She shows up a few times, but she doesn't really have to act. I mean, she's like the subject yeah, of what's dude, going on. I don't know. Something is... Like, she looks like she... I don't know if it was part of the character, but she is like so, so thin like kind yeah. of sickly looking and I don't I didn't really see any reason for that to be part of the character so that was kind of just like I don't want to say off-putting but it was concerning yeah I noticed that too and I wasn't sure if it was just that's how thin the actress is now or what but it it, it does seem kind of kind of strange it take it kind of takes you back the first time you see her in the movie yeah she she doesn't look healthy no I'll put it that way yeah yeah, you were just saying, though, something that you didn't like. Yeah, the one one thing that I didn't think was great is uh, one of the... Basically, the the MacGuffin of the movie is they give Vince Vaughn a guy that he's supposed to kill in prison. And then you don't really, by the end of the movie, know if that guy was real or what was going on with that. Like, I don't even know what happened with that part of the plot. They just kind of switch it. I don't it. either. It's, yeah, it was really weird. I, I think I figured it out, but if I talk about it, it'll spoil the movie. But, yeah, that was really confusing, and I thought about it in the car for, like, 20 minutes. I totally agree, though. Like, they give him a goal, and then he gets there, and it totally pulls a, like, one-two switch. Yeah, I'm not sure if the goal was just to get him to Cell Block 99 or what, but it, it, just, it just seemed weird that they give him go to this person and then... It's like, well, actually, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, totally. But the actual prison is pretty cool. The one that Cell Block 99 is in. Yeah. It's like this cool old castle. I don't know where it was filmed, but it, it's crazy. It's like this dank, disgusting castle. <laughs> yeah. It just and they have, like, soldiers guarding it. <laughs> yeah. The first time you see the, the soldiers that show up that are the, the prison guards for this Cell Block 99, I mean, they're basically like the empire from star wars they're in all totally. black and they have a red logo that's like a circle for their <laughs> their art like their guard <laughs> it's crazy yeah and then uh, the other thing i didn't like though is that this movie it, it does feel pretty cheap up until it gets to the prison points it's like they didn't want to spend any money until they got to the prison thing so it's a lot of like the shot the shot the cinematography i think is just pretty bad throughout at the beginning of the movie like they'll just put a camera in the corner of a room and it's it, the beginning is just washed in this blue color grading that i i i know they're going for like an artsy look but it goes away about halfway into the film so like <laughs> i don't know that just didn't work for me it, it seems weird too because if you didn't want to show that first didn't want to spend any money on that first part of the movie, you could have definitely shortened that and it wouldn't have taken anything away. Oh, by a lot. Yeah, the the first part of the movie is is slow. You're interested in it because of the character Vince Vaughn is playing, but yeah, man, it's pretty slow. I think they definitely could have cut out some time there and just got him to the prison quicker. Yeah, I don't know. This year, I just this is the first year of my life where I've ever felt like movies are too long. And now I see it in so many movies, but this one is definitely too long. Yeah, I... I think that once it gets going, I was totally invested in it, and I wanted to see it through to the end, but I think they probably could have trimmed the fat a little bit in the first, like, 25% of the movie. Yeah, and what did you think of the ending, without spoiling anything? Um, I thought that there was really no other way it could end. 
Yeah. I, I think that by the time it escalates to the point it does, that there's really only one way that the movie was going to end. Yeah, I was listening to uh, our friends of the show, the Modern Horrors podcast, our buddy Luke Rodriguez. He felt the same way. I just listened to it today after I watched the movie, and I was like, ah, yeah. It, it, it really is something where it's like there, it couldn't have ended any other way. And you're frustrated about it, but you're like, if, I, I think I would have been more pissed if it ended in a different way. Yeah, I mean, w- once you're at the point where the ending is, you kind of know what's going to happen. It's it's pretty predictable, but the fight scenes are really good, like we said. The gore is awesome. There's a lot of practical effects. He uses weapons, which is pretty cool. There's there's a part where he's fighting two dudes out in the courtyard, and they both come at him with barbells, and he en- ends up using them against them, which is pretty cool. So uh, I really like this movie a lot. Yeah, this was a great movie. I'd recommend it to anybody who wants to see any kind of gore fest prison fight movie and it's probably the best performance i've seen by vince vaughn in a very very long time it's probably his best ever right like i mean probably yeah i mean he's never had to carry a movie like this yeah totally and you can rent that one right now we we, uh we tried to get a screener of this one before it came out they didn't even do them they showed it at festivals i have no idea why they weren't sending screeners out for this because it's so good yeah, I don't, I don't know why they would be hesitant because it's it, the same company that did Houses October Built Two. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So like, right? Why are you holding this back and not that? Right, and I, I mean, it currently is sitting at a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's obvious a lot of people like it. So I don't know why this would be the one that you don't want any early reviews of yeah so brawl and cell block 99 you can go rent it now i rented it on amazon and it does have these weird black bars at the top that aren't it's not letterbox it's just in a weird aspect ratio if that makes sense like i i don't know if that happened with the way you watched it but uh i liked how it looked on amazon other than that yeah i also rented on amazon i had the same thing so yeah it was like six bucks or something so go rent that one for sure because they need their money also between movies Creep 2, we talked about it last week. It didn't come out on Netflix the same day like we thought it did. It's only rentable now. So go rent that movie or buy it because that's the way that the guys who made it, Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass, are going to actually get money out of it. So go go rent that movie. All right. So the second movie we have on our list is Jungle, directed by Greg McLean. It stars Daniel Radcliffe as the main character, uh, Yossi. And it is a survival movie about uh, Yossi kind of takes a year off between uh, high school and college and or I guess university and grad school. And he wants to take a year off, go backpacking, see the world, experience life outside of a classroom. And as he goes, he meets this guy who wants to take him on an expedition through these uncharted territories that no one has really seen besides this guy and a few other people. And as it goes on, things get worse and worse for Yossi. Yeah, so this one, Greg McLean directed Wolf Creek, so I was kind of expecting like a pulpy gore fest. And while there are some moments that'll definitely make you cringe, this is like a super nuanced movie and it's pretty emotional. It's a totally true story too, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, um, you... You really get to know Yossi as a character, and you kind of care for... Really, it, it only centers around Yossi, uh, Carl, who's the guy that he meets, uh, and his two friends, Kevin and Marcus. And 
those are basically your whole cast that you follow through the movie, and you do really get a feel for the characters and kind of uh, an appreciation for them. You you understand what they're going through for the whole movie. Yeah, so Kevin is like a photographer. He's really well-known, and he's best friends with Marcus, who's kind of like a nerdier, quieter guy who's also kind of exploring uh, South America. And then Yossi meets Marcus, who introduces him to Kevin, and then they... Uh, Kevin and Yossi are all about going on this trip, but then Marcus is kind of feeling weird about it because, you know, Carl could be anyone. You know, he's telling them he goes panning for gold down the river, but, you know, they don't know, and it turns out <laughs> they shouldn't should have listened to their guts because it, it gets pretty dark, dude. Like, uh, it's 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 a lot like Into the Wild, but it's definitely more brutal. Yeah. Sure. I to, to be fair, though, I mean, Carl didn't lie about anything he said. It was... I mean, he go, they go to the town, and the things are real, and they do find yeah, gold, totally. and everything seems to be good, but this movie has a lot of highs and lows, where you think everything's going to be okay, then something terrible happens, then everything kind of goes back to normal, and then something terrible happens. It's crazy how fast it can turn, too. Like, they, they'll be going fine down the river at one second, and then the next second, they'll be, like, stranded, almost dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was nuts. And then this whole thing Marcus has throughout most of the movie is that his feet are, like... They, he gets an infection, I guess, and it slows him down. It slows everybody down. And they're kind of on the clock because there's the rainy seasons about to start in this river, and they have to get back before then. But they kind of reach these these critical points where they're like, are we going to leave Marcus? Are we going to all go back? Or is Carl going to go back and take Marcus? And then are Yossi and Kevin going to go on? So there's, there's these tense moments that kind of snap you out of boredom as soon as you're starting to hit it. But this is another movie we both think is a little too long. Yeah, this one is uh, right around two hours, and I think if it was about 20 minutes shorter, it probably would have been a lot better. Yeah, you can easily pinpoint parts of this movie that you would cut out as you watch it. Uh, the, the third act is kind of different from the first two, and I wouldn't really cut anything out of the third act. I think that that's the, mm-hmm. the best part of the movie. I don't know totally. if, if you agree with that, but... Um, no, it's, it's much better at that point. Yeah, I, I think they definitely could have cut out some of... Uh, not not necessarily the character building of Yossi or Marcus, but there are some things that they do in the first part of the movie that you could have just ignored and, the, and cut out, and it would have probably just kind of gotten you into the action quicker. Because I like all the scenes with Carl guiding them, and the tension, and the once all the characters are kind of established, I like all that and the aspects of that, but I think that the the first part kind of drags and the ending drags a little bit near the very very end but yeah the last like 10 minutes are like you're, you're like scratching your legs you're like ah just yeah you know like i don't want to say what happened yeah you're like fuck <laughs> <laughs> god damn it <laughs> but there's also that part with where uh he gets the worms and that's like oh, oh the worms so bad oh. he gets a leech stuck under his skin and he has to cut it out and it's just like uh danny radcliffe though man he's a great actor i really liked him in swiss army man but he's killing it he's just doing whatever movie he wants now and he's having a great time yeah now that he has the harry potter money he never has to work really <laughs> a day in his life again so he's just doing things that he thinks are cool and I-, I thought he was great in this he's easily the best part of the movie uh there's scenes where you see him after he's been in the wilderness and he hasn't eaten for days and he just looks scrawny man he must have lost yep. a ton of weight he's by no means a 
overweight actor, but he is like rail thin in this movie. Yeah, I don't. I always wonder how they get actors at that point, and if you have to like stop shooting for a while and wait for them to get skinny like that. But yeah, man, he gets he gets thin, and uh, I think the movie is all the better for it. It's also shot pretty well. Uh, I, I never at any point thought like, huh, this is a soundstage. Like you could tell a lot of the stunts were freaking real, you know, and pretty scary. Yeah. So it's it's a good movie. Yeah, a lot of the you know shots of the jungle and everything are all very beautiful, and it it is it is picturesque in a lot of scenes where you see them having fun in the jungle and exploring these you know villages and stuff, and you're like, this is actually cool. Like this might be something that I'd you know one day like to experience, but then. You see all the other baggage that comes with it, and you're like, well, probably not. Yeah, I'll just experience it through this movie. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so if you want to check out Jungle, this one is also rentable now. We got a screener for it, but you can can check it out. It's been, I think it's actually doing a small theatrical run. Uh, They're really capitalizing on that Daniel Radcliffe name, (laughs) but uh, I'm pretty sure it's rentable now if you want to check it out for yourself. I think we both like this one a lot. Uh, it's it's a little too long, but it's it's very solid. Yeah, for a survival I'd, movie. I'd say it's definitely worth a watch if you're interested at all in these kind of survival themed movies. Definitely, definitely watch it. Yeah, so uh, we're kind of getting through this quick because we liked both of the movies. So there's not we don't want to spoil it for anyone. It's a lot easier to gush about movies we don't like. But <laughs> uh, our segment we have technically four segments this time around the third segment we're giving you a very special halloween one that we'll get to after this but uh george had his first interview uh ever with ashley c williams of human centipede and i just wanted to give you a chance to introduce that yeah so uh because uh horror rama is going on this weekend in uh, toronto it is toronto's only all horror convention november 4th and 5th and so their kind of headliner is Ashley C. Williams, and they were gracious enough to let us sit down with her for about 15 minutes and uh, interview, just kind of talk about her career and what's been going on, what's next. And uh, I think it's pretty interesting. She was a cool guest, and I think that you'll learn a lot from this. So, yeah, I think that's pretty cool that we actually got to talk to someone from a, a pretty original movie, if not a little weird. You know, Human Centipede is pretty weird, but... Uh, you know, she's in the first one, which is well regarded as one of the best of those movies. So yeah, well, uh, what you did you have fun talking to her? Yeah, uh, she was a really cool guest. We talked about uh, her expectations for the movie when it came out. If she ever thought it was going to be as big of a hit as it was, what it was like being in the Human Centipede uh, setup, being strapped in there, and you know what she thinks of the horror genre, what she's going to do next. It was uh, pretty interesting. She's a great, great guest. Awesome, man. So, uh, George is actually going out. He's going to be another man on the street type of deal next week. He's going to Saginaw, Michigan to see A Haunting on Dice Road 2, which I will admit is something that we both kind of watch as a joke. If you haven't noticed, on Amazon Prime, there's a billion of these movies that are like a haunting in insert place in Saginaw, Michigan. And Dice Road, pretty freaking scary. They're doing a new one. Uh, So, George is going to go check that out next week and bring us his thoughts on it. So I think that'll be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, I, I am a big fan of actually the first one of A Haunting on Dice Road. I thought that was pretty horrifying. 
it's very scary. So I'm excited to see what they do with this one. Yeah, so uh, you're definitely going to want to tune in next week for that. So with that, we're going to take a quick little break and come back with our super special Halloween segment three. Okay, so we're back from our quick break with our third segment here. And we were trying to think of something really fun and new to do for Halloween. And George came up with this, so I'll let him introduce it. Throughout all the different slasher movies, I think that Halloween is definitely the series with the most the highest highs and the lowest lows. So I thought that it'd be fun for us to each give our definitive ranking of the first eight Halloween movies. So not counting the two Rob Zombie remakes, but just one through uh, Resurrection. Should we do reverse order or one to one to eight or eight best, to one? Best to worst. Best to worst. All right. So one is obviously, come on, got to give it to Halloween one. No question. Two is H3. Three is H2. 4 is H4, 5 is H20, 6 is H5, 7 is Resurrection, and then 8 is H6. Okay, so that's a pretty, pretty solid list. I think we agree on a lot of them, but we're also different on some of them. So my list here is best to worst, 1, 3, 4, 2, H20, 5, Resurrection, 6. So we had... So that's just a little different than yours. Right. So we had two and four swapped. So so explain explain your list a little bit to me. Explain explain where you're coming from. Well, Halloween one is simply the best horror movie ever made, in my opinion. It's totally the perfect uh, slasher movie. Undeniable. I mean it's it's like the pinnacle of the genre. It's an absolute classic. And anyone who hasn't seen it, stop the podcast, go to whatever streaming device you have and watch the first Halloween on repeat. Watch it at least two times before you come back here. Best Buy has it like for five bucks on Blu-ray daily. So go <laughs> go, go to Best Buy and just pick that up. Yeah, so Halloween 1, easily, easy why it's number one. Halloween 3, I think, is kind of... It, it, I think it used to be regarded in a more negative light than it is currently. Which is fucking stupid. Yeah, but it's definitely the most original of all the Halloween movies. This was back when they were going to make it a series where every movie after two was going to be a different theme. And there was going to be Norman Michael Myers, and they were just going to do a different Halloween story every year. A full feature film that's a different Halloween one. And this one is about a cult a druidic cult that creates these masks whose their goal is to kill all the children who wear these masks across the world <laughs> by broadcasting the signal that will melt all of their faces while they're wearing these masks. It's super dark. It's creepy. The cult aspect I love. And I just think that this is a really cool, interesting Halloween movie. That Dude, I, th- I love it. It's so good. I watch it every year. It looks really cool. It has some great special effects in it, and it's just, it's totally original. And I i just don't understand why people were so connected to Michael Myers at the time, especially after 2, which is kind of a hot mess, even though it's pretty good. I just, I don't know. I think this is really one of the best horror movies ever. It's probably one of, it's probably my favorite of them all. And after they do this new Blumhouse one, if they bring back this concept of doing a new Halloween-titled movie every year, that's going to be sick, dude. I will be so excited. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to do something like that, since uh, I think a lot of the fans of the Halloween series have kind of come around on 3 and name it as one of the better ones. I I think people widely accept it as a good movie now, and then 
Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is going through the same thing. Yeah, so I think that if, you know, all the fans of the series have matured now, or they think that this would actually be an interesting concept, I think if they try it out and they make, like, another, you know, H3, but it's, like, H2, and it's just a different story, I think that'd be really interesting. Totally. Here's where we differ. Next on my list is Halloween 2. It is... The, it's a direct sequel to one. It happens existing actually on the same night as the first movie where Michael Myers is being taken to the hospital and he breaks out. Yeah, so the only reason I flipped this one is because I caught four. I'd already seen one at the time, but then I saw four on AMC Fear Fest and I just I really liked it. And then I saw two after that. But like watching it on AMC Fear Fest like late at night alone in the dark that was just a really cool experience so i always just remember four in a better light than two but i do think two is a better movie than four yeah i think two is definitely the one that's closest in tone to the first one where it follows most of the rules of the michael myers mythos that's set up in the first one it has it's basically like in scream two when they say that it's you know it's higher uh body count more blood and more action and that's basically what happens in the second one it's like the same formula as the first one but with more bodies bigger effects more blood and i i just think it's i think it's a great sequel one of the better sequels out there but it's still pretty inferior to the first one totally yeah it's it's not it'll never reach the quality of the first one and the mask is pretty bad in it but i'll always like it yeah watch it every year and then, so next on the list, we have Halloween. We agree on this one, yeah. which is H20. Yeah, H20. So this is really where basically everything H20 and below, I think these movies all kind of suck. They're just different, They're all interchangeable. different levels of how much they suck. And I, I don't understand why H20 is uh, so highly regarded by a lot of people, because I think a lot of the characters in this movie are so unlikable. I think that the only... <laughs> I mean, the only person in the movie that you actually like and root for is Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, totally. She's great in it, and she's, like, total badass, but she's barely in the movie. They try and make her kid a main character, and he sucks. Yeah, it's it's strange. I, I, I don't know. It's hard to do a Halloween movie without Donald Pleasance, also. I think yeah, his totally. presence is definitely sorely missed in this one. But having Jamie Lee back as kind of the surrogate to that makes sense. And she does a good job. The final confrontation is pretty good. It's cool to see her kind of not put up with Michael Myers' shit anymore and be like, let's finally end this. Totally. And yeah, I, and he looks pretty cool. Yeah, he, he looks pretty good in this one. It's fairly scary. There's some good kills. But I think that it's still not great as a movie. Yeah, I agree. And then next on the list, uh, <laughs> we put we both put five. I I still like five for the same reason I like four. I caught it on AMC Fear Fest, but that movie is very messy. Yeah, I don't know. Five has a lot of stuff I don't like. I don't it's like even with H twenty to me. If you take out Jamie Lee Curtis, pretty much it's like you have a bunch of bad characters, but then you don't have a likable one. Also, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't like that they get rid of Rachel. She was awesome. Rachel's good. Really, Daniel Harris. She should be the character that you like, but yeah. she's a mute in this movie, 
so she can't she's talk. Still, she, but she's still whiny. But she's still like, whiny. How can you be a whiny mute? Right. So it's really weird. It's weird that that's the one character you're supposed to relate to and like, and they take away her ability to talk. It makes no sense. There's. I do like uh, <laughs> Donald Pleasant's performance in this one, when he's like totally unhinged and insane. <laughs> He's just fucking nuts. He's like putting her in front of Michael Myers yeah. and stuff. But he's it's like, like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> but he's holding her up and he's like, come get the little girl, Michael. It's like, oh my God, Loomis, what are you doing? So I think that aspect is pretty fun, but I don't like any of the teenager characters. I think none of them are interesting at all. The, They're all dumb. Yeah, the kills are kind of bad. The two cops, I don't know what they were thinking with these two guys. They made the two cop characters horribly stupid and they gave them this stupid clown soundtrack that plays behind them when they do things and it's every a, time it's a joke it's how do you make these characters into such a joke it makes no sense to me and i don't like most of the characters in five i think it's pretty much trash all the way through yeah i agree i gotta watch it again i haven't seen it in a couple years but I have found a memory. But then, <laughs> Halloween Resurrection. Resurrection. The cream of the crop of shit, dude. This movie <laughs> sucks. <laughs> yeah, Resurrection's bad. I the One thing I do respect about Resurrection is they tried to bring back the series in kind of a different way, where yeah. this was right around when found footage was getting big, and they tried to introduce that aspect where all these kids are going to the Myers house, and they're going to spend the night there, and Buster Rhymes is there too, and it, it's it's kind of cool when you think that like I would watch a live stream of someone going into a haunted house for the night if everyone had like yeah, a GoPro. Yeah, I, I watch Ghost Ghost Hunters live. Right, like imagine imagine they had like a, a tour of like Jeffrey Dahmer's house or something, and people could walk through it and they had GoPros on, and they would just like spend the night there. That would be cool. Yeah, that'd be that'd something be really I would cool. watch. It'd be interesting. Like the Black Dahlia house or something. Right, like something like that would be cool. And so that's fuck it up so bad. Yeah, yeah, so the concept is there, but oh my god, Michael Myers in this one is such a joke. There's a part where Buster Rhymes karate kicks him off the roof and hangs him by a telephone cord and says, Trick or treat, motherfucker. It's so bad. It's so stupid. It's not even so funny, it's good. It's or so bad it's good, it's just bad. It's really, really a stupid movie. I I don't have a lot of good things to say about it besides this setup could have been good if it was executed better. But <laughs> it's not scary at all. It's not scary. I think there's like one jump scare that got me the first time I watched it, but other than that, it's not scary. Michael Myers is kind of a joke in it. Uh, the characters are more forgettable than they are in five somehow. I don't remember a single character's name or what they looked like. I don't either. They are... I just remember the guy who's watching the show dressed as the Pulp Fiction dude or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, the or only... It might be one of the next X-Files people or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, seriously, the only character I remember is uh, Buster Rhymes. Yeah, I even forgot Michael Myers. So, <laughs> last on the list, taking the cake, Halloween Halloween 6, six baby. And I'm talking about... Hmm... Both. The theatrical cut and the producer's cut. I've seen the producer's cut twice now, and I've seen the theatrical theatrical cut twice. And I think I can definitively say that the theatrical cut is probably better. Yeah. I don't like the whole Cult of the Thorn thing at all, and I cannot believe Paul Rudd <laughs> got a career after being in this movie. Yeah, Paul Rudd, the lovable star of Hollywood that we all know and love now, is terrible. 
he's the worst He's the worst main character. He's completely unlikable, playing Tommy Doyle, the kid from Halloween 1. So they try to tie it... He grew up to be a school shooter. Right. So they try to tie it back into Halloween 1, which I respect, but... Yeah, okay. I'll give it that. He's completely unlikable. They try to make this weird connection where Michael Myers is actually the pawn in this cult's killings for whatever reason. They never explain what their motives are. And they have this weird thorn symbol. Basically, this is a complete mess. I feel like they had no idea what they were shooting. They didn't have a good foundation for what the plot was going to be. And then they filmed two movies at once, and that's what we got. The theatrical cut and the producer's cut kind of mushed together, and neither of them work. Yeah, I mean, I will give this movie that it has a good look. You know, like, it it matches the 80s tone well. I think that's why I like uh, 4 and 5 so much, is they, they still look like 1 and 2. You know, they, they managed to capture the color and the look yeah. and everything. That's what I'll give this movie. And it is kind of creepy when you think about it, but a lot of the Cult of the Thorn shit that they do in it is done better by the better by the Void, which is, like, not as good, but still better. I think that uh, the, the father who purchased the Michael Myers house says it best when he says enough oh. of this Michael Myers bullshit. That's like one of the first videos on my channel is like my review of <laughs> Halloween 6. It's like Halloween 6 review and then it's just that. <laughs> enough of this Michael Myers bullshit. You can go back in my channel I think all the way back to like Halloween 2013 I want to say. Either 2013 or 2014 I did it. And uh that's that was a highlight of my YouTube career. I mean, that is that. that's a pretty apt summary of the whole movie. That's our definitive ranking of Halloween. So we'd say if you, I'd say if you want to watch any of these, just watch the first three and then skip to Trick or Treat and every other Halloween movie you probably have to watch. Yeah, I, I usually keep. I usually at least watch one, three, and I try to watch four as well before or has the nostalgia factor so if you don't have that nostalgia like you're not gonna like it and you at this point on halloween uh, you know you, your time is limited yeah so uh you might want to just skip four yeah but i i would say if you're gonna watch anything of four just look up the intro sequence on youtube because that is like oh, it's so good it's one of the best fall setting like you know ambiance for a movie it's great. It's really puts you in the fall mood, and I've never seen an intro for a horror movie better than that. Me neither, man. It's fucking good. So there you have it, guys. That's our definitive, the definitive ranking of the Halloween movies on the entire internet, even though they're different. <laughs> um, uh, I, I really like Halloween. I actually got to take the day off this year. I'm super stoked to see John Carpenter, and uh, I hope everyone else out there is having a good Halloween. Yeah, you'll have to tell us about the whole Carpenter experience next week on the show. Oh, I'll I will have a lot to say. <laughs> I, got my, I got my records tab signed and everything. Uh, so, I hope everyone's having a great Halloween. If you don't have anything to watch, you can go check out uh, my YouTube channel. I've done a bunch of reviews this year uh, of Halloween movies, and I also did a video talking about John Carpenter and the new Halloween movie. And the comment section is a total blast. So, if you're looking for something to check out. That's your place. So yeah, we're going to end the show now, but make sure you stick around because George has his interview with Ashley C. Williams of Human Centipede coming right up. So as always, guys, I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne, and I hope you have a really good Halloween and you get the one good scare you're entitled to.
You have any closing remarks, George? Yeah, I just want to say have a nice, safe Halloween. Have some fun. Watch some horror movies. And you never know who might be listening. What is up, listeners of Fear Frequency? I am your host, George Frizzard, and I'm happy to bring you the talented Ashley C. Williams from the hit uh, indie movie, Human Centipede. Ashley, how are you doing? Hi, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so you came out of the gate with this horror movie that's kind of notoriously known as being this kind of gross, disgusting movie. And uh, what was it? What was it about the role that really made you want to accept it? Like, what about the movie was interesting that you wanted to be in it? Well, I think it was the fact that it was so different from, well, anything uh, ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and I, at the time, I was looking for something, um, you know, to take a risk in my career. And uh, the role was just sounded so challenging and especially as an actress um i think you know conveying emotion with like the top half of your face right. <laughs> can be quite challenging and um i think you know the whole controversial aspect of it I, I didn't i didn't see it as gross i think because i had such a great conversation with the director in the audition about you know what he was really uh, going for when his vision was for the for the film. Um, I really got it on a, on a deeper level that I think a majority of people in the world don't get. <laughs> right. Um, just because all they can really focus on is like the gross aspect of it. Um, but yeah, that's really that's really why I took it on was the challenge and the fact that it was so unique. Yeah, I mean, I understand that it is definitely kind of a one of a kind. Besides uh, the two sequels that came after it, while while you were in the movie, what was it like actually being strapped into the human centipede? Like, what was the the actual situation like? Uh, it was very uncomfortable. Um, we well, we we were given like knee pads for our knees. Like they they made it so. Because part of the surgical procedure was he took our kneecaps out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there needed to be gauze around the kneecaps. And within the gauze, they just made sure that our knees were protected since we were going to be down on all fours for long periods of time. And But, you know, I think the, mo- the hardest part was um, my neck <laughs> had to be, like, really, like, forward because I'm, I'm biting down on this, like, bit that's in front of me. And uh, it was just really, really uncomfortable. And, you know, we were never in that position for more than, like, five minutes at a time. But, you know, um, the coordination that came along with it whenever we had to move as a human centipede form uh, and in the mud, like, outside, and it was really cold. It was like we were shooting in in the Netherlands in September, and it was just raining cold the whole time. (laughs) So just, like, a lot of, um, you know, elemental challenges and um just the uh i think especially the emotional part of it we had to really put ourselves in that situation as actors so um it was just really emotionally and physically exhausting did you expect the movie to become kind of as much of a hit as it did where it just kind of blew up with the underground indie horror circuit or never we 
never knew in a million years that it would become like this worldwide known entity you know um we thought like oh it's a european film maybe at best it'll have like a small release in europe or something like that and and then suddenly it was coming to these the like american festivals and then it got picked up for distribution like right away and it was it just happened so quickly and um it was just a really exciting time uh and then with that came the reviews of course that were very very mixed yeah. and people you know there was like fans of the film who really got it um and really appreciated it for what it was and then there was a lot of people like that hated it and made sure that i was aware how much they hated it <laughs> um sending me hate mail saying like why would you put yourself in such a degrading situation? You're such a desperate actress, blah, blah, blah. Like just so many things that you just kind of had to laugh at because they were really taking their time out of their busy days to go and like hate on someone. Right. You know, you just wondered if they actually secretly <laughs> loved it. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I wouldn't even have expected people to come after the actors in the yeah. movie directly instead of <laughs> oh definitely yeah i mean i would get like snail mail messages like people who took the time to put a postage stamp on something <laughs> and send it to me <laughs> oh. i know you had the julia come out after that but besides that are you sticking with the horror genre or are you trying to kind of try your try different avenues um definitely uh trying to branch out and do different things i mean to be honest um I kind of just, you know, fell into the horror genre, and I, you know, I love, I love horror movies. I you know, love being in them, but I think um, I'm trying to stick to, you know, the unique story. The, you know, like, like the Human Centipede was so unique. I feel like I, um, I have to keep going uh -huh, like right. forward, not backward. <laughs> um, so um, I've, I actually haven't done like a horror film. Julia was more of like, I guess, psychological thriller horror. Um, I haven't, I haven't done anything horror genre set. And um, actually my next film is a crime drama called Albanian Gangster. And I play the female lead in that, uh, the love interest. And that one I'm really excited about. Um, it's, uh, it's actually most of the, uh, the actors are not actors; they're they're real Albanian gangsters. So that was uh, quite unique to to be a part of something like that. Um, and the story is just like really strong. So like it's a true story, and I'm really excited for that one to come out. And uh, I'm also creating my own work. So I'm I'm trying. I've been writing a lot, and I'm um, part of this production company now that's helping me produce my next film that I'm that I'm writing right now. Of course, with me starring in it and um so yeah i'm you know definitely uh will do more horror but um it was quite a challenge after after the human centipede came out i was getting sent a lot of uh horror scripts and all of them seemed like the same kind of storyline um you know, right. cabin in the woods you know just maybe set somewhere <laughs> else like in space or you know like just the same kind of plot and um i just you know i i was tired of it and i wanted to be a part of something more unique and um uh, daring and elevated and 
Um, so yeah, definitely just trying to um, be a part of that kind of stuff now. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, that was actually one of my other questions where it seems common in the film industry where people want to try their hands at different facets of it, you know, with acting, and then some people want to do writing and directing. It sounds like you're doing some writing. Uh, do you find that the process for that is very different or more rewarding in some ways or just like a different, what, what's like the, I guess, the benefits of each? Well, writing your own stuff, I mean, I'm, I'm right in the middle of that. I, I don't know what it's like yet to write my own script, produce it, shoot it, and then see the outcome of it. I haven't, I haven't experienced that yet uh, for myself, but I, I can imagine that it's really, really rewarding when it's, when it's your own uh, baby, you know? Um, so, I mean, that's, that's the direction that I'm headed, and, but I have hit challenge after challenge um, in the writing process because I'm, it doesn't come naturally for me, and um, you know, I, I, I have, I have a knack for for storytelling, you know. But I think it's about, you know, like putting the actual screenplay together with dialogue. So I'm, I'm I have a writer helping me with that. Um, but it's taken a while. It took me a while to kind of, you know, um, get through that um, and realize that I needed I needed somebody else to help me. Because I, 
I mean, I'm just not familiar with a lot of horror people. I mean, names. <laughs> well, we we can broaden it. Just uh, three three movie characters that you'd put in a human centipede in the order. Yeah, this is gonna take time. <laughs> think about this one. Um, I really don't know. Um, there's so many people who have like on the internet. Um, who have like done this? Like who answered your question and like put their own. <laughs> celebrities into um like the kardashian sisters and like you know into the three roles um stitched together um that's so hard because like people say you know you want to you want to wish like your your worst enemy to 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 be in that position or something like that it's like such a torturous thing you know i don't think i can answer this question i don't think i can do it (laughs) I have to like, go with something easy like the Kardashian sisters. <laughs> Total fail. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, I think that's a that's a fair response. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, well, with uh, Halloween just around the corner, do you have any Halloween traditions that you, uh, you know, do every year or anything? Um, I mean, I you know I get dressed up. Um, usually I'm always like a witch or something. <laughs> Um, I actually have, um, I have a child, I have a 16 month old boy, and so I'm going to dress him up as, um, if anybody knows the comic book, uh, Calvin and Hobbes, okay, yep. <laughs> um, I am a huge fan and grew up with that book and couldn't believe when I, like, when I had a boy, I was like, oh my God, I'm totally going to use him for, you know, dressing him up as Calvin and. I have this, like, radio flyer wagon, and I'm going to put, like, this stuff tire in it with him. <laughs> Wheel him around and go for a <laughs> um, I'm such, like, a silly mom. But uh, <laughs> I, um, you know, will live vicariously through his, uh, you know, so and selfishly through what I dress him up as. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, trick-or-treating, I, you know, I go to haunted house. When I live in L.A., I live in New York now. When I live in L.A., um, I was going to a bunch of like these haunted houses and those are always so fun. Um, mm-hmm. I get scared so easily, but I love getting scared. So it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had recently watched a, a documentary on these, on like different kinds of haunted houses and they basically looked at like three different kinds. One was kind of like a backyard project. One was like a, like a more traditional, like universal horror haunt night. Uh-huh. And the third was, uh, like, the more extreme haunted houses where, you know, like, blackout and things like that where, you know, you have to sign the waiver to have any, you know, consent they can grab you. and. <laughs> yes, I signed, yeah, so the waivers are, like, so, you just, you know, if you have, like, a heart problem or something or, like, you know, if something happens to you and right. they don't want to be responsible. <laughs> so have you, have you done any of the haunted houses with the where you have to sign a waiver, any of the more extreme haunts? Yes. Yeah, I I did one in um there was this huge I can't remember what it was called, this big Halloween festival uh in LA, um or outside of LA and uh I was a guest there. Um my film Juliet had just come out and so I was just doing some press for it and um and it went and it was just like massive, like this it was actually like a hospital and they completely, or was it, it was like an abandoned hospital, or just wasn't in use anymore, and they used the entire thing for this haunted, 
you know, got haunted hospital too much. And um, there was just like every corner there was something. It was so dark. And even if you put your hands on the walls, it would be like gross stuff. And like, and it was so real. Because, you know, in LA, there's so many actors that, and they use like, you know, talented people to like come in. It's just very. Just yeah, they don't mess around with it. They have the real horror movie props out there yeah. and make it look as yeah. real as possible. Very, very realistic <laughs> stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, those were uh, all of my questions. If you want to see Ashley and you're going to the Horror Rama uh, Horror Festival in Toronto, she is holding a panel on Saturday, November 4th, noon, called Centipedes and Psychosis. Uh, you want to say anything about that? Yeah, and I'm just going to talk about, you know, the whole process of, of doing the movie before doing, you know, while I was doing it and after, and, and also talking about um, my film Julia and, you know, what that was like uh, to be involved with. And yeah, we're just going to chat, and I'll be like, you know, um, there questions and, anybody wants to ask anything, um, come say hi. And, and I love hugs as well, so don't be shy. <laughs> and then uh, after that, on Sunday at noon, you are also doing a screening of Julia with director Matthew A. Brown. Yes. Yes, he will be there. And um, I'm sure we'll be doing like a Q&A afterward as well for that. Um, but yeah, come see it. And, you know, both Saturday and Sunday when I'm signing, um, autographs at my table. Uh, I'll also have uh, copies of Julia for sale, but you can also have a signed if you want. A very limited amount of copies. I'll be bringing like five or six, so first come, first serve. <laughs> well, sounds like a lot of fun, and anybody going to Hororama should definitely not miss on those two. Yeah.